What a glorious day we have been given to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's wonderful to be somewhere in the 60s in our temperature and the sun out. You know, earlier this week, I was not sure we would have such great weather when it snowed on Monday. And I confessed to a few people when it was snowing on Monday that a few weeks before, people had said to me, oh, I hope we don't have snow at Easter. And I rolled my eyes and I dismissed their concern. I said, no worries. But I have to say that on Monday, I thought I should have prayed about that. (laughs) It was a little uncertain, it seemed to me. But here we are, and you all have come, we have all come together to worship on this Easter day. Perhaps some of you are brand new to St. Stephen's this morning, or maybe some of you were last here when we wished that there was snow on the ground. But I know that there's one thing that unifies us all in this place. We came here today because we thought it was worth it. There's something important about Easter. Maybe we don't know what words to use to describe it, but there's something important about it, and each of us knows this. That's why we went through the trouble of getting up, of deciding what we would wear, of coordinating our efforts with one another to be here for this service. Something inside of us said, it's important that I go. This morning's gospel is from Mark, the gospel according to Mark. And we don't usually read Mark's gospel on Sunday, Easter Sunday. But I chose it for us to read this morning because we are using the gospel of Mark in our worship all through this liturgical year. Every Sunday of this year, we will read from Mark's gospel. Last week, at 5 o'clock on Palm Sunday afternoon, one of our parishioners, Tucker Smith, who is a professional actor, read aloud to those present the entire Gospel of Mark, all in one sitting. It took about an hour and 20 minutes. And in hearing the Gospel, all at one time, you begin to hear particular themes that aren't always obvious when we read the Gospel piecemeal. One thing that became evident in hearing it was the inability for the disciples to conceive of what Jesus meant when he talked about being the Messiah who would suffer and die and on the third day be raised to new life. It just did not fit in with their understanding of who the Messiah is and who God is and what would happen when the Messiah comes. Again and again, Jesus tells them, this is how it's going to be. I will die, and I will suffer and die, and on the third day be raised to new life. And their minds just cannot conceive of what that's about. If we're honest with ourselves, we would all admit there's a portion of our own minds that cannot conceive of the resurrection. Somehow it's too difficult for our finite thinking to comprehend. One of my favorite authors is John Updike. One thing I like about John Updike is that in his writings, he recognizes the very humility of humanity. He reflects in his characters the baseness, the eagerness, the hunger of being a human. But he also reflects the possibility 
of being human, the grandness, the potential. So I was delighted when I discovered that he had written a poem called Seven Stanzas at Easter, and I want to read it for you now. Make no mistake, if he rose at all, it was as his body. If the cell's disillusion did not reverse, the molecule re-knit, the amino acids rekindle, the church will fall. It was not as the flowers, each soft spring recurrent. It was not as his spirit in the mouths of the, fu and, and, of the fuddled eyes of the eleven apostles. It was as his flesh, ours. The same hinged thumbs and toes, the same valved heart that pierced, died, withered, paused, and then regathered out of enduring might, new strength to enclose. Let us not mock God with metaphor, analogy, sidestepping, transcendence, making of the event a parable, a sign painted in the faded credulity of earlier ages. Let us walk through the door. The stone is rolled back, not paper mache, not a stone in a story, but the vast rock of materiality that in the slow grinding of time will eclipse for each of us the wide light of day. And if we have an angel at the tomb, make it a real angel, weighty with Max Planck's quanta, vivid with hair, opaque in the dawn light, robed in real linen, spun on a definite loom. Let us not seek to make it less monstrous for our own convenience, our own sense of beauty, lest, awakened in one unthinkable hour, we are embarrassed by the miracle and crushed by remonstrance. In this poem, John Updike invites us into the miracle of the resurrection. It is something that is difficult for our minds to conceive. In reading his poem, I thought and wondered who Max Planck is. I guess I didn't take physics in high school. Maybe you didn't either. So it was interesting for me to discover that he is the scientist credited with understanding quantum physics. He won a Nobel Prize for his work in theoretical physics. And at the time that he was working on this, it was something that people trained in physics could not conceive. The classical physics didn't have space for the kind of work that he was working on. It was interesting for me to read a quote from him from the early 1900s. In those days, he says, I was essentially the only theoretical physicist there, whence things were not so easy for me, because I started mentioning entropy, but this was not quite fashionable, since it was regarded as a mathematical spook. Max Planck understood and developed the theory that deals with atomic and subatomic theory because he was able to step outside of classical physics 
and begin to imagine what there could be. And as he explored it, he found something that was beyond what everyone knew. Classical physics couldn't hold the theoretical physics that he discovered. In the same vein, Einstein discovered the law of relativity and changed for us our awareness of time and space. These two theorists, these two physicists, helped us begin to realize that the world was bigger than what it was we had known for so long. In our recent newsletter, which was mailed out a few weeks ago and hopefully was received by you, I incorporated an interview between a physicist turned bishop, the Episcopal Bishop of the Diocese of Rhode Island, and a monk, a man who's a member of the Order of the Society of St. John the Evangelist, a men's Episcopal order in Massachusetts. The interview was from the monk to the bishop on the aspect of time. The monk has had an experience of time, and he wanted to talk with this physicist turned bishop about whether or not there was any scientific evidence to his experience. And the bishop indeed said that there is. That time is outside of the boundaries of the clock and of some of the measures that we think are so definitive. It's a marvelous article. And in it, the bishop says that science cannot prove any definite truth, even as much as we wish it could. But we do know that when we believe in the resurrection, science supports it. It is difficult for us to conceive of the power of the resurrection. Our minds cannot fully comprehend, but there's something within us that says there's something to this. And so we come to discover. John Adams was a priest in the D.C. area sometime in the 70s and 80s, and he wrote a little book entitled, So You Think You're Not Religious, A Thinking Person's Guide to the Church. And in it, he talks about belief, and that belief is about a creed, and a creed is about what you set your heart upon. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Belief is not a mental ascent, but a heart setting, what you set your heart upon. And so we are invited to come and to believe, to set up our heart upon the resurrection. For in doing so, we begin to enter into the mystery of the resurrection, and we begin to see that it is real and true. You came here today because you believe there's something to this. You're not sure what it is. But I encourage you and assure you that the rhythms and the disciplines of our life together as a Christian community will make it known. Being a part of worship, praying regularly, studying, being in Christian fellowship, all reveal to us the truth of the resurrection. It is something that your heart told you about. And your heart is right. The Lord is risen. Amen. Amen. Amen.